welcome to the Online Education Pod, a podcast produced by Suma. I'm Alex, your host. Imagine the gains you could make if you align marketing and sales. How much better would your customer experience become? This is the topic of today's episode, which I will discuss with Anders and Stella. I really hope you enjoy this. Here we go. So, welcome to the onlineification pod. Today we have two guests, Stellan and Anders. How are you, Anders? I'm very, very well, thank you. And um, yeah, that's it. As always, not dependable on the weather. Um, <laughs> I have to blame myself. <laughs> well, then, I'm, the one, uh, I'm the weatherman then, so uh, it's a beautiful sky today. Today, again, you had, had a very good week. I've been... Uh, in many telcos with you and uh, the sun is always shining on you, Selan. Yes, well, it's the advantage of uh, staying close to the coast. Yeah. Yeah, so today's topic is aligning marketing and sales. And I would like to start with you, Anders. Um, is it important to align marketing and sales? It depends, of course. We, we can say that I have almost never ever experienced or seen it, but at a few times I have experienced it. And, and when I say experience it, it is actually even pre-sales, sales and after sales. It's the full customer experience that with some companies and brands in B2B and B2C, you can sometimes experience that they know your history, they know you, they know all the interactions you have done and so forth in a nice way but for most companies whether they are b2b and b2c they have never ever made a decision that they want their customers to have one experience and therefore built in in the question sales and marketing and and so on that that's the stance we need to take how do you want to be perceived do you want to step out of your inside costume and look from the outside and think, okay, this is a B2B company. My sales and purchase cycle is three to seven years. And then I will be a customer for five or 10 or 15 years. How do I want to perceive this company that I'm now stepping out of, pretending that I'm on the outside, that, that I think um, is a type of discussion to have. And then it's very, very easy. One source of data relation, interactions, everything else. That, yeah. That's at least how I think. Estelan, do you think that uh, it's relevant for all companies, uh, no matter what industry you are in, to, to align marketing and sales? Yeah, I think so for like two reasons. Um, so the, the first one is obviously then what Anders has been talking about here is the sake of the customer experience, basically. Um, you never want to have a, a gap in that experience where you want to feel like you're interacting with one company, uh, even though you're passing through different uh, departments on the inside. And then the other one I would say is for the sake of business outcome. It's a really sort of sub-optimization or, or a deduction in return of investment uh, in marketing and sales if you uh, have this sort of siloed uh, approach. 
I, I think Alexander, it's always interesting to think it was if it was illegal or if it was forbidden. And and let's phrase okay, it's from now forbidden to run a marketing department. It's forbidden to run a sales department, and it's forbidden to run an after-sales department. And it's not enough just to rephrase it. You need one department, one department in the whole company called the customer department. No, the market department, yeah, perhaps, or something else. Everyone that works with different thing within these previous three or five, in some cases, department, how do we gonna organize that? And why do we organize it like that? Do we do it to save money? Perhaps that's a consequence. Do we do it to be more relevant? Yes, that's usually prerequisite to have satisfied customers and so forth. I, I think it's good to play with the illegal thing or the forbidden thing. We must change for some reason. Um, and and I, I would say start by making sure that it's one department and their responsibilities is that their main responsibility is potential and existing customers. So Stellan, the companies that decide to create one department, what what challenges do they meet in the transition into into one department? Well, I think there is a, a very common scenario is a, is a sort of a distrust on both sides of this. So both from marketing and sales and after sales, sort of this, uh, they don't know what they're doing attitude is something we, uh, we come across. Um, and that is of course related to, uh, to organizational silos um, and having these very sort of specialized uh, departments that uh, sort of are driven more by their own existence than by the outcome for the customer in the end. Um, and um, it's, I don't think it's a given that that a company over time ends up in that situation uh, because uh, yeah there there are obviously companies who prove the other the other points so to speak but but I think it is um, more likely for a company that has been in business for quite a while to end up in that situation and, and for a younger company um, simply because in a younger company you you have started that company and got traction with that company because you are solving problems for someone. And then once, you know, until you reach a certain scale, it's more all hands on deck than, uh, than organizational siloed thing that, that there is in a, in a bigger organization. Yeah. Anders, do you have any challenges to add there? You can, you can look at it from, from several perspectives. And, and um, yes, I agree with Stellan. Let, let's say like this, if, if I'm having a dinner with people work in b2b and then i tell them oh, you have you have one department that uh, it's fun but fairly costly and then i say you 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 have one department oh joy that that's needed how else could you do business in your company and then you have one department ah so that's where you make the money okay i understand then everyone knows the three departments that i'm talking about it's not fair it's not always true, but it's very, very strange. So that that's one perspective because I presume it's, that it's definitely the perception. <laughs> yes, yes, and and then the other side of that, 
is, okay, maybe I sign up for something with a B2B company. I sign up for their financial news. Let's say I do that. And I do that because they are a prospective uh, supplier of us long-term. We have a long contract now, but I, I will watch them a bit from a financial perspective. And I will also sign up on their LinkedIn page, their company page. Two years later, I start subscribing on their knowledge content. I read their articles, perhaps I download something. Then some of my colleagues start signing up for some other things and visit their uh, buy section or their product section or solution section and commercial section. And perhaps we look at a couple of the webinars that they provide. A Couple of years later, we become customers and we get invoices and we start getting problems with the deliveries. If I now would ask this company, could you, from our company's perspective, give us a full review on the journey we have been doing together over the past, let's say, five years? Oi, 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 oi. They have to look in different databases now. In my world, they should only go to one tab saying companies, finding my companies, finding all these interactions the last five years. And if they want to look at me, they go to the contact tab of people and look at all my interactions because I was very active early on and now I'm active again five years later. In between there, there was a lot of influencers and users and decision makers in my company involved. I do actually not know any B2B company, at least industrial, that can show me this case. So that's an answer also on sorry for the expression, damn it, change it. It's, it's one experience, it's one custom interface. How valuable would it have been for this company to actually understand everything from the first IPs they met until all the questions and answers in our daily interactions and with service and after sales and ordering more and so forth. Yeah, that's a yeah, clear. And you, and you, yeah, you, and you don't even have to go to sort of big data, uh, AI, etc., to understand the importance. It's like it's here now. But Sorry, then, of course, the the, you know, the one-liner Stellan is uh, the big data bullshit that has been buzzing around for ten years now to <laughs> companies who don't even have email addresses to all the customers. I mean, yeah. there, there must be an end on the big data stress when you don't even have the email addresses. <laughs> yeah, so you have to start in the right place. Um, yeah. So yeah. But at the same time, Alexander, it's, it's a huge, we, we can sit here working for a small company, although we are trusted by, by fantastic companies. I mean, it's, it's, I can't give any examples of companies or names uh, for various reasons, but it's a huge step. But at the same time, as we get back to at many times, um, you need something in your remuneration model that motivates you to go this way. The, the number of times, can't, can't mention the company, but 2008, for a huge, huge global company, we presented how they should onlineify their full offering. And I will always remember the faces of all these sort of 
business area managers thinking this will never happen and I will keep my bonus because it's so easy to say, why don't they do this? And at the same time, it's so easy to find the motivation to do this, change the bonus models, change the remuneration models, although huge respect for if the owners want to do it or not. Yeah, this is a very doable thing. So that that would be your first thing to change, Anders. If I I would be the owner of one of the companies that I'm thinking about, yes, I will never be an owner of a company like that. But if I would be, yes, that would be the first thing I would do. Uh, what would you change it to? I were, would firstly I would forbid the three departments and make one department. And in a model, of course, you you should. Um, prioritize people's readiness for the change and you should prioritize what and how and always prioritize why so they understand why you make the change because we will get the result based on both um, revenue and satisfaction very very quickly we will become unique as a company when we get the feedback you know how it is to be me and that's easy for us and me to say but I claim that it's as easy as that if the owners want it. Yeah, well, that, that bridges also this um, famous quote, which I don't remember who said, but uh, that the culture eats strategy for business <laughs> for, for breakfast. And, uh, and it's, uh, I mean, we can decide what we want about the remuneration uh, models, but if we don't have a culture that embraces the change, then, then we're not going to get all the way anyway so uh, that is also a super important uh, component I, to make I, sure that uh, yeah but uh, people are empowered to make this yeah. change and whoever said it it's a very very true um, quote quote expression yeah yeah looked it up it's peter drucker well said peter yeah and uh, and Stellan, if you worked at a if you were part of a marketing department and you were really understood and want to align your marketing with the sales, where would you start? Two of the things we mentioned, I think we can add to it that, um, you know, it, it obviously has to be priority, priority uh, from leadership in both marketing and sales to, to make it happen. Um, someone very capable, uh, and someone with a, a very large mandate has to be in charge. Uh, so it's not, uh, you can't uh, outsource it uh, or you, and you can't, can't sort of downsource it, if that's a, a saying. No, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the change has to be measured. So uh, we have to be in agreement on how we shall, shall measure the success of the change. Um, so I think those are three very important components in addition to the other two mentioned. Could, could I answer from Stellan's perspective? I am certain that he wouldn't sign on for that job if the task wasn't to make one department of it because he knows from his background what he, what he used to do before he worked at Suma that it needs to be one department because he has done this change once and we don't need to dig further into that. But I think an individual like Stellan would never sign up without that being part of the task. And 
as Stellan said, I mean, if if we talk middle-sized, oh, that, that bit larger company, let's say a billion uh, Swedish kroner, 100,000 euro in, in um, 100 million uh, euro in turnover and up. There's only one owner, that's the CEO. And there's only one more person needed, that's the CFO. And then say this is one department, the reasons for doing it is this and that. This is the tempo that, that we're expecting and so on. But then, like we have discussed previously, then the owner needs to decide that because very few of the CEOs in the companies we talk about own the company. Yeah. So who, who do you think are the gatekeepers in the transition to, to align marketing and sales? Could you generalize, say that, that uh, the marketing wants it and sale are not? I very seldom hear the discussion, even on a philosophical level. I, I hear that companies talk, yeah, it's a prerequisite now that uh, there needs to be a handshake, a mutual agreement between this and that. And and at that point, I, I and we always try to say, oh, 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 hold on. Where's the aftermarket part? Where's the customer support part? Will you only talk about prospects and becoming a customer? Um, so, so I very seldom, I would say still on here the discussion at all. Yeah, nice. No, that was I was <laughs> kind of saying. Hmm. Uh, it's a good question, <laughs> but I don't think you can identify one. I think people are very busy doing what they're tasked to do. Uh, most organizations are sort of very lean in that sense, at least in large corporations. So uh, there, there's there are too few people that are thinking like business development in that sense and thinking, hey, we might change this and do this in a different way and hence gain something uh, 18 months from now yeah. uh, because it's always about here and now. I, I sit and think about a listed B2B and B2C company in US. I, I wonder what would happen if they started organizing their companies in pre-sales, sales, and after-sales, what would happen with that company? When the strength today with that company is that they have one contact card where they know everything about me, whether it's in B2B and B2C, doesn't matter. They know everything about me. They ask me to start a business account. Yeah, of course I can start a business account. I have more addresses and, and I know we talk a lot about this company, but what would happen with that company and their revenue if they started dividing in pre-sales, sales, and after-sales? Most likely, they will not would not be one of the largest and most profitable companies in the world anymore. They would at least lose their core edge, so they would be <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> like so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to round up, but thank you both for participating. Very interesting to hear your thoughts on this topic. Thank, thank you, Alexander. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to it on Zuma.se. Thank you very much and bye-bye.